Hey everybody, it's Dr. Seidel. As promised, I'm here with my dear friend, Tracy Levitt, who is a physician and a mom and a parenting and life coach. And we are here together to talk with all of you about our children and pain. Welcome, Tracy. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm so grateful. So, uh, I did a Facebook Live the other day, which was uh, well-received, and a lot of the families who responded to the video that I did had a number of questions about what I meant when I said sitting with your children in pain is important, or really just felt like they needed some support around what exactly that looked like. So Tracy and I are going to talk about that with you guys today. Uh, the first thing I want to do is to talk a little bit about physical pain because I think it affords a beautiful parallel to some of the conversations we're going to have moving forward. So uh, physically, our bodies are wired to feel physical pain. And that ability affords us a great deal of protection. It keeps us from danger. The purpose of pain is that when we touch a hot stove, we remove our hand and then we're not injured as significantly if we didn't have that ability to feel, right? And so you can see how when we have physical pain, that feeling serves us. It tells us when to stop often. And sometimes, uh, especially grown-ups, will ignore physical pain when they're fatigued, when they're not paying attention to injury, when they're exercising. A uh, classic example is someone who ignores their chest pain and ends up having a heart attack, right? And uh, we also are really gifted as adults as ignoring probably sometimes even better than our physical pain, our emotional pain. And so one of the things I want to start with Tracy to talk about is where and when do adults learn to not be able to comfortably sit in, in their pain and how do we learn to ignore it? Okay. So great question. I think that this begins at birth. I think that, um, when a parent is holding a crying child, often they are trying to figure out what's wrong and they're trying to fix their child's pain and take it away instead of just supporting their child and allowing space for the pain. Then this moves into, as the children get older, toddlers who are tantruming or any time that a child is having emotional pain, Often a parent either tries to fix it, tries to um, change it, reward other behavior, or um, ignores it and walks away. And so children are sort of taught early on that there's not space for their emotional pain. Sure. And the craziest thing, right, is that our, our children, when they're young, especially if you can visualize like a temper tantrum, like kids have no shame at all. Like they will just literally fall down in the middle of Target and have a meltdown when they're upset, like a whole event around it, right? And there's this whole experience that parents have around when their kids are in pain that typically causes a lot of different feelings that get in the way of children moving through all of it. Tell, um, let, let's talk a little bit together about why we have an issue as parents what makes us uncomfortable? Like we don't typically question physical pain, right? Like I think you've said before that, you know, you would never 
um, put your kid in their room if they were bleeding and say, just let me know when you calm down, right? So tell me the things that tend to make uh, adults struggle when their kids are having that experience. So your target example is a great example. So often um, a parent in public, for example, might feel like they look like a bad parent because they're the ones with the child that's crying or something's wrong with their child. They look like something's wrong with their child or they feel responsible to fix it, like that they're failing their child if their child's feeling uncomfortable. So there's so many reasons that a parent um, might struggle sitting in pain, watching their child sit in pain. Sometimes I think too, it makes parents so triggered with their own stuff. If they already don't have their own coping strategies, the mirror that our children often are to us can sort of reflect back to us. And we develop so much discomfort with it. We just want to do what we know, which is how we uh, kind of handle pain, which isn't always sitting there. It's sometimes moving into other ways to cope. Yeah. So, um, humans are uniquely designed to sort of um, avoid pain and seek pleasure and it's part of our survival and so often when we're triggered to feel you know uncomfortable in some way we want to quickly fix it and we want to find something to make ourselves feel better and we do the same with our children and when we can't sit in our pain we can't move through it um, and often when we choose something else to make ourselves feel better like um, overeating or over drinking or something like that, we don't get the opportunity to move through our pain and get to the other side, which is, you know, the joy in our life. And also the pain is there for a reason. Like you said, with physical pain, it does amplify the joy in our life when we experience the other side. I think one of the things, I love that. And I, I think one of the things too that happens so much is that the most common reason I think parents uh, dismiss their kids' pain or want a punishment is because they feel the sense of powerlessness. Like, what am I supposed to do? So talk to me a little bit, because what, what I really want my parents to see and what you and I work together often to talk through um, with families is, is that allowing pain right, is just a far greater gift for our kids long-term than having, than fixing, you know, pain for our children, right? We don't always see pain as an opportunity, but changing that lens on our kids having a meltdown into a, um, um, an opportunity for growth or for developing kind of a fertile soil to, um, uh, to feel safe, to really learn how to both be in pain and be on the other side of it. Um, it's just, it's difficult for just so many, many of my parents. So talk to me about what parents do when their kids are in pain, typically what you notice, and then also a little bit about what, what those choices result in as adults. Okay. So um, I liked your example that you brought up earlier about um, physical pain and that we would not send you know, our child off to the room to bleed alone until they feel better. And we would not punish them for crying around um, physical pain. But many parents tend to, um, in their own frustration with a child who is suffering with emotional pain, they tend to either punish the child for being in emotional pain, or they tend to sort of walk away or ignore. I hear a lot of parents say, you know, should I ignore? 
um, a tantrum. And what we're doing for our children there is saying, my love for you is conditional, you know, that I will be with you and support you when you're joyful. And when you're feeling sad or angry or frustrated, I will leave you alone. And that sort of squelches the ability to, to sit in, in their pain. Right, but Tracy, um, my parents will say, not to interrupt you, my parents will say, like, what they are frustrated about is so ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous, right? I hear that often. And sometimes as a parent felt it, I have to be honest. Sure. Sure. So um, when we're in a space of judging our children's pain, we're not open and curious about what it's about. And um, I like to give people the example that often our pain is triggered when we're not in pain. We're, we're maybe driving in the car and relaxing, and then we hear a sad song and the tears start to come. Maybe some lyric triggers something in us. And once that you know, floodgate opens up, sort of all our pain surfaces, and it becomes an opportunity to get some things out. And so this is what often happens for our children. So we might judge, they're being ridiculous, they're, they're flipping out because they said they can't have ice cream before dinner, but that flip out, once they, you know, hit the floor kicking and crying, develops into more. Then they're mourning the losses of travel they were planning, you know, and friends they were going to see, and school they were hoping to have, you know, the tears come and they can be about something bigger than, than what we think it is in the moment. And so it's not ours to judge their pain. Um, what would be a lot more helpful is to be open-minded and curious about it. And a way we can do that is just to first to stay next to our child, just physically near them so they can feel our presence while they're in pain. And then we can move to saying, I can see that you're really upset right now, or I see a lot of tears coming, and sort of just describing um, what we see so that our children can feel heard and held and seen. And um, your child may say, that's not true, or give you kickback, and that's not a reason to walk away. You know, when people are frustrated, they say all sorts of things, but you want to really stay present for your child when they're in pain, no matter what they're, they're kind of spewing at you. Elaborate a bit more. I have two things I want to ask you about. So I want you to elaborate a little bit more because what commonly will come up um, in um, conversations I'll have with families is that a child will have a boundary that they're given and they won't like the boundary and they'll have a behavior around it or a meltdown or angry or whatnot. And then the parent will take away the um, whatever they were going to do, you know, as a punishment for them having a meltdown. And the reason that they'll do that is because they didn't handle the situation well. So could you play out a situation for me that that is practical that my parents could connect to? Because I think this comes up a lot in families. And then I'll ask you the other question. Sure. So first of all, I often encourage parents to think about what it's like when they are upset about something. So when you want something and you can't have it, you feel upset and you wouldn't then want to be punished for feeling upset because the feeling is appropriate. You want something and you're upset. And so somehow that doesn't translate for parents when they're dealing with their own child. So they have a child saying, you know, I want ice cream before dinner. And the parent says, you know, their boundary in, my, in our home, you know, we eat dinner first and then we have dessert. And the child, you know, flips out on the floor you know, they want ice cream. What you can do with your child is you can empathize with what they're feeling without changing your boundary. So you can say to that child on the floor, I can see that you really wanted ice cream before dinner and you're really frustrated that in our home that's 
you know, there's a different rule. And so therefore you're empathizing with what they are feeling, but you're not changing anything. You're not then taking away the ice cream after the meal, which would be punishing them for being upset about your boundary. And they're allowed to be upset. Right. Um, you're also not, um, so you're not going to punish them for that boundary. And you're also not going to change the boundary. So you're not going to say, oh, okay, I can see you're upset. Here, just go ahead and have, have your ice cream. Right. Our kids are depending on those boundaries, right? But they're not, they're still learning. I said to someone recently, like, there are behaviors that, that kids have to practice over and over again in order to manage their feelings. And when we fly off the handle, we model the kind of, um, the kind of behaviors that reflect our own frustrations or pain, or even if we're having a moment. And so the, the calmer we can approach those situations, the more likely our kids are to understand the boundary, to move through their pain, to calm themselves down, okay, or to learn to calm themselves down and move forward. One of the things we talked about also um, as we were kind of thinking through the most important parts of this conversation was also about, um, about what parents do instead uh, of dealing with pain but distracting pain, right? So I want to talk a little bit about the way parents, um, instead of sitting with pain, will do distraction and what that leads to. Okay, so often parents will um, just find a way to distract, like giving them something joyful to think about or another idea to do. And one of the things that does is it doesn't allow the child the opportunity to move through their pain. It also doesn't allow them to come up with ideas on their own for what they might be questioning. So for example, maybe they're in pain around the pandemic and not being able to see their friends. And if you allow them space to move through that pain a little, and when you see them sort of shifting, it would be an opportunity to say to them, can you think of a way that you can connect with your friends given the limitations of the global pandemic? And you are practicing raising an adult there. You're giving them the opportunity to come up with their own solutions instead of some parents just start firing their own solutions away at the children. And if you think about it, when you um, call a friend or your partner or something in distress, you really want to get it out first. You don't want them to, you know, stop the, the flow of your feelings by answering it with their ideas. Yeah, for sure. And another concept I want to talk through just a little bit when it comes to distraction is, because um, my parents are going to be like, what? I thought we were just supposed to like, when they're having a meltdown, try and get their attention to something different. I'm not implying in this conversation that it's not appropriate sometimes with the toddler to lead with moving them into another direction so that they don't have a meltdown. If you notice that they're about to get into a situation that is um, uncomfortable. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not implying that it's not okay to have a treat or to do something special, but when we decide not to, not to help our kids cope with pain and instead we give them something, a lollipop, let's go get a treat because you're sad, we create this phenomena um, of buffering. And to me, buffering is something that you do externally, okay, in order to relieve something that is happening to you that's uncomfortable internally. So I'll give you an example. Like if you um, have a really stressful day at work and you come home and you're like, I've got to have a glass of wine. 
okay? Or um, my families who, uh, my parents who, um, and, and kids who overeat emotionally. It happens when my um, adolescent girls are wrestling with, uh, with cutting and with recreational drug experimentation and emotional eating. When my anorexic patients are food restricting, they're trying to control the circumstances around them so that, um, so that they can feel less powerless. And that almost always happens because they did not learn as children, right, how to manage their pain. Do you feel like that happens? And are there any other ways that you can explain that that might be true? Yeah, I mean, so buffering is um, when we feel um, discomfort, as you said, we want to quickly replace it with something that gives us a quick feeling of comfort. But often that quick feeling of comfort does not take away the pain that's still underlying. And we need to be able to move through pain to get to any goal in life because basically anything worth having requires some level of challenge or discomfort. And so when we practice as children in a supported manner by our parents moving through uncomfortable situations, we can really achieve anything as adults. But when we're always looking for that quick fix, we take away the opportunity to try broad and hard and exciting experiences. Truth. Yes, I love that so much. And I think for all of you, and I know this to be true just based on my many conversations, especially in the most recent weeks as this pandemic has worn on, that you know, uh, this is just this collective grief that everyone is having, the heart habit that everyone is having, the heart is real, the pain is present for everyone. And I think when we think of it as a grief, um, it really does, it, it both amplifies the discomfort we probably many of us already have with pain and also makes us feel uh, more overwhelmed. Yeah, so um, grieving um, has many stages, and part of the stages of grieving include sadness and depression and also um, anger. And so often when your children are acting angry and they don't want to do their chores or they're fighting with their sibling, there's something deeper going on there. And when you just punish them or uh, ignore them, you're missing the opportunity to really know them and, and know what they're going through. And just like you, their feelings, there's so much to grieve right now for all of us, but especially our children who really can't make sense of it. And so it's coming out in, you know, it's messy when it comes out, it's angry. And, and it's really our privilege as their parents to be the one where the mess comes out. Um, if you think of yourself, you bring your messy aside to the people you trust the most. And so you have a healthy relationship with your child when they can come to you and be a mess and be angry and show their true self. And so sometimes I have parents say, you know, I'm so frustrated because when my children are at friends' houses or their grandparents, they behave so well. But when they're home with me, they're always so angry or they're so depressed. And I say, you know, that is your privilege. They're bringing their truest self. And when you can show them that unconditional love and be just as supportive about that as you are about the A plus they received or the black belt they just got, then they really feel yeah. like fully supported by you. And that, that's a privilege that you get to know all sides of them. It's so true. And for those of you who feel like the language around um, um, you know, uh, 
having your kid have a meltdown and you having some moment where you're like, this is such a privilege is a little bit too much of a stretch for you. It's okay. Okay. Um, I think for many parents just to, you know, marinate in gratitude in that experience can sometimes be tough. What would be the easiest thing to do in that moment when you are feeling your kind of physical discomfort with when that's happening, either you're angry or you're frustrated or you can feel some physical tension, is just to make it not mean something about you. And as Tracy mentioned earlier, just to create a space of curiosity about what that'll be like. Because curiosity with your children almost always leads to compassion. And that is the place where all of the change can happen when you're seeing them in that light. Yes, and when you give them the gift of that curiosity and compassion, it's gonna come back at you tenfold. So when you come home and you've had a horrible day, your child's gonna have curiosity about what's going on for you and compassion for you. And you will then raise a child that can be you know, an adult partner out in the world, ideally giving that compassion you know, just spreading that. Yeah. So. And it's not easy, right? Sometimes we'll notice our own stuff comes up and that is even just more evidence that we still need to have grace with our kids because it's so easy for us to fly off the handle or not pay attention to when we're struggling. We'll have a complete meltdown because we've been holding in all our attention from work or worry about where things are happening in the economy or about our jobs or, you know, whether or not we're going to get, you know, a, coronavirus or whatever it is, um, you know, sometimes we won't pay attention to letting ourselves move through that pain and then we explode as well. I mean, everybody is having a human experience, including our children, and we need to hold them to the same, you know, the same standards that we hold ourselves, which is about 50-50 all the time. You know, some days are great and some days not so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah not getting a lollipop might be the equivalent of us not getting a raise at work or something like that. So we really need to understand their pain is real, even if it seems, you know, like minutia to us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I wish so much during this podcast, we had the opportunity to get questions from my families for things that have come up. I think this is such an important topic. I hope you guys will listen to this as just a springboard for a lot of conversations with your partners or with your families or with your children um, about how difficult it can sometimes be to handle pain in general. And, um, and if you have other questions that come up that you wanna make sure we answer or address, um, maybe Tracy, if you'd be willing to come back another time and we can talk through this at a deeper level based on um, what feedback I get, I would be so grateful. That would be my, my ultimate pleasure, yes. Okay, all right. Tracy, uh, thank you. Like, like crazy, crazy thank you. Oh, one other thing. Um, do you want to talk a little bit briefly before we end about what you do in parent coaching and what that means? If any of my parents are interested, I'm going to link all your information onto the website. Sure, sure. So it's a version of life coaching. Um, and I use a cognitive behavioral therapy type of model where um, the parent comes to me with something that they consider a problem going on in their life or their parenting. And I really help them take a look and separate out um, the facts of their problem and their thoughts and the problem. And most often about 90% of what they're telling me is all thoughts that they're having. And really the facts are just a smaller, you know, 10% or less of the story. And then we take a look at, we pull out maybe one thought and take a look at that thought. And the thought is what our thoughts are what cause our feelings. 
And all of our actions and the way that we show up in the world and the way that we care for ourselves and others all come out of how we feel. And so we take a look and when they um, are not showing up the way that they want to as a parent, we look at why. What are you thinking that's creating you know, this situation? And we can really come to some more intentional ways um, of them being a parent through this work. Yeah. So what intentional thought do you think we could offer to our parents as they're watching their kids in pain? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just wondering if there's one that, they, that, that our parents might be able to pick when they're feeling that kind of energy of either frustration or powerlessness or humiliation or whatever comes up for them during that time. You want an intentional thought they could think about themselves or about their child? Either one, just that might bring a different feeling or a different perspective instead of why are we in target and you're losing your mind? <laughs> um, that this is my child's real experience and I am here to walk alongside them no matter what, no matter through the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Just giving, and also if you're giving it to yourself, um, I'm also having a human moment and I'm just going to be, show up the very best that I can, you know, um, giving grace. And you can always loop back to your child and say, you know, I didn't do that exactly how I wanted to. And can, can we talk about that? Or sometimes I even do a redo with my child. I'll say reverse. Let's sit back down and let me let your tears flow a little more and let me put my arm on you this time. I'm ready now. And I'm sorry that, that, you know, when it first hit me that I had other things that got in the way for me. So really taking responsibility and just having, we always have an opportunity to go back and correct because none of us are perfect. No doubt. I love that so much. I see in my own kids when I model that kind of accountability that they mirror it back to me when I need it the most as well. It's really unbelievable. So I love that point so, so much. All right. Now I'm done. Thank you. I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you for taking your, your time to talk with my families. And uh, listen, you guys, hang in there, okay? Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Tracy.